Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That's our theme verse from Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Associate Care Pastor Josh Masters continues the series called Church Extended. This week's episode, Jesus' Name. Here's this week's spiritual practice. What has God done in your life to show His power? Write down what comes to mind and spend time praising God for who He is and what He's done. Share what you're learning about God with a friend. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search the message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Church Extended Series. We pray this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. And now, Josh Masters. His name is power over darkness. His name is freedom for the captives. His name is mercy for the broken. Those are beautiful lyrics. You're allowed to clap for the name of Jesus. The question is, do we believe those beautiful lyrics? Does the very name of Jesus have power? Or is that just a poetic term that someone put in a song once that we like? Well, think about this. The angel visited Joseph when Mary was pregnant, and the angel said this. The angel said, church extended. No. The angel said, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He's named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? Christ's power to forgive sin, his sacrifice to bridge the gap between a holy God and a broken person is directly tied to his name. It's everywhere in scripture. It's all throughout scripture. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the very name of Jesus Christ and the life of the church and the life of the believer should be rooted in that power. Today we're gonna continue our series walking through the book of Acts and that was your fill-in in part A if you are using the fill-in sheet is there is power in the name of Jesus. And we're going to continue our series walking through the book of Acts. And if you look closely, you will see that the entire book has a focus on the name of Jesus Christ and a focus on the lordship of that name. It's illustrated again and again throughout the entire book of Acts. But do we truly want to see the power of Jesus' name revealed in our lives? That's what we're going to focus on today by looking at Acts chapter 19. We've worked all the way up to chapter 19. If you're using the Bible available here at Brookwood, it's on page 893. And you can also follow along using the Brookwood Church app. So you can go ahead and turn or swipe there in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. And as you do that, let me give you a very brief recap of where we left off last week. So at the end of chapter 18, we see the conversion of Apollos in Ephesus, right? 
Everybody remember that? Then Apollos leaves to go on a mission trip. He leaves Ephesus and he ends up in Corinth. So now at the beginning of chapter 19, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, returns to following Paul in the narrative. Paul has now left Antioch and he's actually arriving in Ephesus after Apollos leaves Ephesus. Everybody with me? Okay, so all the chess pieces are on the board and now we can move forward. Chapter 19, verse one. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So for those of you who are keeping track, this is Paul's third missionary trip, his third missionary trip. And as he arrives in Ephesus, it says he runs into this group of believers. And Paul's encounter with these men is going to reveal this, that the power of Christ's name is revealed through the Holy Spirit. The power of Christ's name is revealed, is revealed through the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is sent in the name of Jesus to reveal the power of Jesus. Jesus himself said before his crucifixion, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in what? In my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then later he says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sins and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, speaking of his crucifixion. So the Holy Spirit is sent in the name of Jesus to first guide and advocate for believers. But he's also sent to show unbelievers their sin and reveal the power of Christ's name to save them. Look for that as we walk through this discussion that Paul has with these men that he's encountered in Ephesus. What we're going to do is we're going to read the whole encounter and then we'll break it down. Middle of verse 1. Paul reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance of sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, this passage, these few verses, have caused a lot of confusion for people. And theologians love to debate this passage because there are three things that theologians love. The Bible, coffee, and drinking coffee where they argue about the Bible. <laughs> I love all three of those things too, actually. So here's the struggle with this passage. Are these 12 men saved when Paul encounters them? And if they are, how come they don't have the Holy Spirit? What do you think? 
How many people, show of hands, how many people think these 12 men are saved? I'm not trying to trick you. How many people think they were not saved? How many people have no idea and are afraid to raise their hand? Okay. There may be validity. There's validity. So let's take a look at the sequence of events. Paul comes across these 12 men in Ephesus and they call themselves disciples. The NLT says believers, but they actually call themselves disciples or learners. That's what the Greek says. So they call themselves disciples. But Paul immediately picks up on the fact that something is amiss. Something's not quite right. So he asks, when you believe, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they say, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. What's, what's the Holy Spirit? Hmm. So Paul probes a little bit further. And he says, well, then if, if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, what baptism did you experience? Because apparently they had told him that they had been baptized. And they tell him the baptism of John, meaning John the Baptist. Oh, okay. Now Paul sees what is going on here. He sees what's happening here. So he explains, verse four. He says, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus Christ. So Paul starts to tell them about the gospel of Jesus. And remember, this is a transitional time for the church. This is so important in understanding the book of Acts. This is a transitional time for the church. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Snapchat to communicate information across countries or even across towns. Paul couldn't send out a tweet saying, Jesus alive after being dead three days. Hashtag repent. Hashtag Messiah. It took years, years for information to filter across the known world. So these men that he encountered are still disciples of John the Baptist under the old covenant. They're still living in the Old Testament looking for the Messiah. But don't miss this. They were baptized by, in the baptism of John. So the Holy Spirit, through that baptism, the Holy Spirit had already revealed to them their need for repentance, their distance from God, and their need to be made right with God. They had had that crisis moment in their spirit. So I believe... And you study it for yourself. You study it for yourself and you decide. But I believe that these men fall under the category of what we would call Old Testament saints. I believe that they experienced faith the same way and they were redeemed the same way that Abraham was. They had the same faith of Moses and likely Apollos that we read about in the last chapter last week. They had that kind of faith, but they hadn't met the Messiah And now Paul arrives and he finds out their condition and he immediately starts preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to them. And then what happens? Immediately, immediately as he introduces Jesus as the Messiah, verse five, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in what? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, that's not what gave them the Holy Spirit. Don't get confused. 
This is a cultural thing. When Paul laid hands on them, that was a sign of acceptance in the culture, inducting them into the family and the fellowship of the church, but they received the Holy Spirit the moment they proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And now, catch this, the transitional age that we've been talking about for weeks, this transitional age of the church, is starting to come to an end. This is the fourth time in Scripture fourth time in the book of Acts, that we have seen a group of people receive the Holy Spirit. The first was Jews at Pentecost. Then it was a group of Samaritans. Then it was the Gentiles. And now finally, these men that I believe represent the Old Testament faith of Moses and Abraham. And never again do we see a gap between faith and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They happen simultaneously now. But the beauty of this encounter is that it offers us the rare opportunity to examine that moment, that moment between when the Holy Spirit reveals the need for our repentance by revealing our sin and the moment when the Holy Spirit reveals the incredible power of salvation in the name of Jesus. You can't have one without the other. So the power of Jesus' name is revealed through the Holy Spirit, and that leads to salvation. But the power of Christ's name is also resisted by the world. The power of Christ's name is also resisted by the world. Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking out against the way. Who's the way? Yes, it is Jesus. It's also the followers of Jesus. Until they were more widely called Christians, believers in Jesus Christ called themselves followers of the way. And they called themselves followers of the way because that's the name and the title that Jesus gave himself. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. John 14, 6, right? But even after three months of hearing the good news from Paul, the hardened hearts of those in this synagogue remained offended by the name of Jesus Christ. They were offended by the name of Jesus Christ. So the the rest of verse 9, so Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus and seriously Who names their kid Tyrannus? His friends called him Rex. That's good, right? So Paul is forced out of the synagogue. Paul is forced out of the synagogue. And if you live in the power of Christ's name, if you want that in your life, you will face opposition. You will absolutely face opposition because, catch this, the name of Jesus is offensive to those who want to be their own Lord. And the power of his name 
is a threat to their reign. And for Paul, being forced out of a building is the least of his problems. There were multiple plots to kill him. He's going to end up in prison very soon. And entire cities are thrown into chaos. In fact, this city, Ephesus, that he's in right now is about to be thrown into chaos. Now, we don't have time to get through this entire chapter in detail, but let me just summarize. After Paul leaves the synagogue, verse 23 says, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. A few minutes ago, we read there was trouble about the way in the synagogue. Now it's citywide. And that's because as the name of Jesus became more exalted in the city, the name of Artemis, who was their goddess, started to lose prestige. The idol that they worshipped in this city was threatened by the name of Jesus Christ. So the entire second half of this chapter, almost 20 verses, is devoted to the riots that took place in that city. And Paul's followers and friends being drugged out of buildings into the amphitheater. And chaos and anarchy that took over the city during the riot. Now I would very much like to move on now. But it's difficult to have nearly 20 verses about rioting in scripture and not acknowledge the rioting that we've seen in our own nation. And I know that this is gonna be a difficult truth for some of you, but you need to hear me very, very clearly because at its deepest level, the riots that we have seen in America are exactly the same as the riots that were in Ephesus because they're rooted in the same thing, idolatry. They're rooted in idolatry. And our idols may be different. We don't call them idols, but the heart issue is the same. And all rioting, all, is rooted in idolatry and the hatred of anyone who doesn't worship the same idol I do. And whether it is a group of people storming our Capitol building under a counterfeit banner of liberty, or it's a group of people burning down a city in a counterfeit banner of equality. Or it's a group of people sitting home justifying the behavior and participating in online rioting. It's all idolatry. It's all idolatry. And regardless of what political side you fall on, some of us in the church have to start asking if we have been worshiping an idol rather than the power of Christ's name, which is the only thing that is going to bring peace or true justice or hope or compassion back to this nation. The world resists the power of Christ's name. We need to stop enabling it and we need to stop being part of it. Yes, yes, yes. Now, please hear me. That does not mean we do not stand up against acts of injustice. It does not mean that we don't stand up against tyranny. We have to. But no amount of justification can make mob violence or destruction godly. So before we take on any action, we have to evaluate our motive. We have to truly, are we truly operating in the power of Christ's name for his glory or are we operating for our own glory and using his name to do it? Come on, 
Am I resisting the power of Christ's name or am I relying on it? Because if we have more opposition in our lives over our politics than we do over our faith, then we have to evaluate whether we're truly living in the power of his name. And here's why, because the power of Christ's name is received in faith. It's received in faith alone. And through faith, Paul received the power to do amazing things in the name of Jesus. Let's read verse 11. Verse 11, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on the sick, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now don't miss the fact that this is unusual miracles. That doesn't mean, that means you should not expect that necessarily in your own life. The apostles were given these extraordinary powers because they were teaching the good news of Jesus Christ using only the Old Testament. And make no mistake, it's all in the Old Testament. All of the New Testament is in the Old Testament. But the miracles verified what the apostles were saying about what the Jewish scripture said about the coming Messiah up until the New Testament could be written. And even though we don't have apostles today, and it may look different, the power of Christ's name is still received through faith alone. And in our next couple verses, we're going to find a couple of guys who are about to learn that the hard way. Verse, where did we leave off? 13. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits, as you do. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. So even though these men are Jews, they're actually practicing sorcery. They use spells and incantations to do magic. So they hear, because they mention Paul, so we know this, they hear that Paul is doing miracles in the name of Jesus, so they add the name of Jesus to their list of magic words. How do you think that went? It didn't go well. Verse 15. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Uh-oh. Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I know Jesus. I even know Paul. But who do you think you are? The demon knew they had no authority in Christ because they had no faith in Christ. The name of Jesus is not a spell you can manipulate for your own gain. Let me say that in a different way. Christ's name is not a magic word that forces your situation or God to bend to your will. On the contrary, it's when you surrender to the power of Christ's name that he gives you access to his will and what he's doing and lets you be a part of it. They had no faith in the name of Jesus. They had no respect for the name of Jesus. So they had no power through the name of Jesus. But listen to me very carefully. 
some of you have been praying for a miracle and it hasn't happened. Please hear me. That does not mean you're like these men. Sometimes the power of Jesus' name is revealed in the endurance and the strength to walk through a trial. And though it may not feel like it, it might be a greater miracle because God can transform you and he can transform your family through hardship. Right now, Paul is healing people in the name of Christ. Pieces of cloth that he's touched are healing people in the name of Christ, but it's not gonna be long before he's chained to a wall for the name of Christ. Not because he lost his faith, but because God wanted to strengthen it and build a greater legacy in his life. You know, probably the most misused verse in the New Testament is Philippians 4.13. You've all got it hanging on your wall in the kitchen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I can do a marathon. I can become president. It's not a pep talk to achieve your life goals. Look at it in the context of the verse Paul wrote. And remember, Paul wrote this while he's in prison. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This verse is not about getting what you want. It's about having the peace of Christ when you don't. That's the power of Christ's name, peace and hope in all circumstances. Listen, Physical miracles are not the greatest manifestation of God's power. Write that down. Physical miracles are not the greatest manifestation of God's power. Jesus walked away from doing miracles all the time. Large groups of people waiting for healing and Jesus just walked up into the mountains because that wasn't his primary purpose and there was a greater miracle to be had and that is what God does in someone's life. Let me show you something. Skip ahead, quickly, flip over to chapter 20, verse 7. This was the end of our reading. 20, verse 7. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole New Testament. So funny. Verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Just as a side note, this is actually the first time in Scripture that we see an organized worship service on Sunday. Just a little tidbit. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. So the language actually indicates that there's a lot of discussion going on here. He was preaching, he was answering their questions, he was explaining the gospel until midnight because he wanted to make sure that they understood the faith before he had to leave. Verse 9. As Paul spoke on and on and on and on, and on, a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and he dropped three stories to his death below. (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) stay tuned. (laughs) Paul went down, bent over him and took him into his arms and said, don't worry, he said, he's alive. 
So the text says he's dead, then he's alive. Now, before we go any further, I just want to point out, some of you like to complain when Perry or I go 10 minutes over. I want you to think about this passage next time that happens, which may be today. Paul talks for so long that this guy falls asleep, falls from a third story window to his death. And how do we know he's dead? For sure. If when Paul reaches him, he's, he's alive. If Paul grabs him and says he's alive. How do we know he's dead? It says it. That's the best reason. But also, who wrote it? Luke. Luke is an eyewitness. And what is Luke's profession? He's a doctor. So he's going to get the details right. So Paul rushes down, throws himself on this young man, and I don't think it's a mistake that this scene is almost the exact same scene that we see with Elijah and Elisha when Elisha's brought back in the Old Testament, and this young man is brought back to life. But then what happens? They all say, how wonderful, we have finally seen a miracle, let's go home, it's after midnight, let's, let's head out. Nope. Verse 11. Then they all went back upstairs They shared the Lord's Supper and they ate together. And then Paul continued talking to them until dawn. And then he left. He goes back to preaching until morning. That's awesome. Now we could do a whole message on just these couple verses, but here's what I want you to notice today. Here's what I want you to take away. The miracle that happened in the scene wasn't the goal. In fact, even though Paul responds with compassion, the physical miracle here is actually a side note to what God is truly doing that night, which is revealing the truth of his word and creating transformed, changed lives. Even though Paul had to leave on a 20-mile hike in the next morning, he stayed up all night teaching because the power of Christ's name was changing lives. Don't miss this about this story. The physical miracle only happened to allow the real work to continue. The physical miracle only happened to allow the real work to continue. And I think sometimes when we think of the power of Jesus' name, we only think of physical miracles. And when we do that, we are missing out on the eternal miracle he wants to do in our lives. Don't just look for the power of Jesus' name to end the trial. Look for the power of Jesus' name in your trial. Now let's go back to chapter 19 with our men who tried to use the name of Christ without faith and got pummeled by a demon. When the people in Ephesus saw the difference between the men who got pummeled by the demon without faith and Paul's faith to perform miracles in the power of Jesus' name, they started to take notice. The whole town took notice of the difference of those two situations. And it began to transform their community. Number four, the power of Christ's name is revered when it is revealed. The power of Christ's name is revered when it is revealed. Verse 17, back back in chapter 19. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices 
And a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. And the value of those books was several million dollars. The Greek really says 50,000 pieces of silver. And for context, to earn 50,000 pieces of silver, the average worker in Ephesus would have had to have worked 160 years, six days a week, assuming that they bought nothing and paid no taxes. Your taxes are due tomorrow, by the way. So it ends by saying, so the message about the Lord spread widely and it had a, what kind of effect? Powerful effect. The name of Christ was transforming Ephesus. And our communities will be transformed when we allow the power of Christ's name to be revealed by the Spirit in our own lives. Remember our first fill-in this morning. We started by saying this morning that the power of Christ's name is revealed by the Holy Spirit. And when it is truly revealed to someone, when that happens, his name is exalted and honored and revered. And that reverence spreads through your family. And once it's spread through your family, it spreads into your community. And then that spreads into a nation. That's the answer. Riding's not the answer. The power of the name of Jesus Christ transforming lives is the answer. And as powerful as that is, we only get to see a glimpse of it right now. A tiny glimpse because one day the glory of Christ's name is going to be fully revealed. And on that day, when we really see it, we will be driven to our knees. Because because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, the Father elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him what? The name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And right now we have a choice. Right now we have a choice whether we honor that name. But one day when the Spirit fully reveals his glory, we won't be able to hide from his light. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But for some, it will be too late. And Paul knew that day was coming. Paul knew that day was coming, so he wasn't desperate for physical miracles. He was desperate for his life to reflect the name of Jesus Christ. He was desperate to share the hope of Christ 
to the lost and the hurting and the broken. He was desperate to proclaim the name that had set him free from his own sin and selfishness and murderous ways and pride. And a changed life like that is the real power of Christ's name. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we take your name too lightly. We let it come off our tongue too easily. And though we can't truly grasp your full glory and the full glory of your name, I pray that you would give us as much as we can handle in this world. Teach us individually and teach us as a church how to have the same consuming compassion for those who don't know the power of your name that we see in Paul. Teach us to live in the authority of your name, not to prove others wrong, but to show hope and light in a dark world that feels hopeless. May we not take your name lightly. And may you save many today, knowing that we can't, but the power of your name can. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Here's our memory verse this week, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. And thanks for listening. Have a great week.